now I have the next two games. Here we go. So. Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. Another polished and highly professional start by us. Kind of like what the Oilers did at the start of. Oh, yeah. Well, right, eh? Yeah, you were just, I was just saying I've graded two games and they've both been Oilers losses. And you were mentioning you have the next two. So I'm hoping I don't have the third game of this series that would not be ideal well, bruce if you do you, then the, the pattern will have been broken so it won't uh be a pattern there you go because kurt there. and i got the got the wins and we're doing the next two so there you go so bruce uh the scissors of edmonton were crushed by the rock of the la kings that's my oh. headline on my uh post tonight and four nothing loss um I mean, the Oilers just were, they, they, their strategy, I think, tonight was to stick check, which is never a, a good idea against a team that's absolutely committed to body checking. And it was a rather um, pathetic loss. Um, you know, if part of it may be expected, you just throttle the team. You know, they're humiliated. The LA Kings were humiliated two games running. So yep. maybe that's part of it. Um, where the one team's just as much as they might want to be intense and ready to go, it's when you beat teams that badly, you just it's maybe hard to have that sense of desperation, which you know that's that's going to be the line that the Kings had, and they it, they did, they were desperate, they made desperate, hard, desperate plays, and the Oilers didn't. They mm-hmm. were um, they play they brought a regular season game to a playoff game, and uh, mm-hmm. the expected result. What was your overall take? Oh, much the same. I mean, it, it was it was it was it was a hard game, and LA played a hard game, and the Oilers answered it sporadically, but I didn't think they were near as consistent about bringing the bringing the uh, the hard grind to this game as the Kings were, and uh, you know the Oilers had some moments here and there, but I thought overall the Kings were uh, clearly the more desperate. Uh, team and uh, more, they seem to be the more motivated team to be honest with you um, after getting shellacked twice in a row by six goals I guess it's only human nature to think oh we've got these guys number and I mean even if you say the right things you know I don't know what's lurking in the hearts of men but it's, uh, it was uh, uh, Edmonton was uh, inferior out of the gate and Despite all the stats saying this was an even game, uh, I didn't see it as an even game. I saw it as a score effects that should have favored Edmonton and really didn't. And LA just kept bringing it on the shot yeah. clock and and the and the battles. And it was uh, uh, a game uh, uh, where the better team on the night won the game. So. It, I think the shots total actually, Bruce was mm-hmm. a fairly accurate yeah. barometer of the game 46 to 31 that mm-hmm. that was that's about the difference between the the two teams um you know when we, on the grade a shots the oilers uh it was 12 to 11 for the kings and of the subset of five alarm shots the most dangerous of all of scoring chances it was six six but the oilers you know they didn't get them <laughs> they actually did get them at timely motives mo- moments i should say there was kulak's um 
shot with three seconds left in the first, which if he, he had scored, oh. I just had a sense. Like I really felt yeah, I like too. the way the game was going at that point, I thought if he scores, they can win this game. But it seemed like such a big moment because the orders really didn't have anything. And then there was another big moment at the end of the third, you know, with Yamamoto and Kane where they had um, just two absolutely spellbinding chances. And Jonathan Quick was able to stop them. Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. And you can get it rolling with your good thing. Okay, well, here's my good thing. Uh, Abington needed to get a split in Los Angeles, and they got one. Uh, they they lost control of home ice advantage in game one of the series. They got it back in game three. Uh, they really had a chance to uh, take control of the series tonight and didn't. But on the other hand, if they'd have gone to L.A. and lost both games in L.A., then we'd really be in a, in a huge mess. But at this point, the Oilers still are, are in control of the series uh, with two of the next three games in their home barn. Uh, so my good thing really reflects back to the prior game uh, when they scored eight goals as opposed to tonight when they got zero. And it's kind of hard to reconcile that it was actually the same team. Too bad they didn't average four <laughs> uh, or get four in each game. Uh, well, they did average four, but they needed to get four in each no. game. What would no. that be? Uh, that's a very nice uh, spin, Bruce, on on the on <laughs> after the, a good loss things? like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was some good things. I mean, there was, as I mentioned, there was Kulak's chance late in the first off an absolutely gorgeous pass by Nugent Hopkins. And then there was the... The rush by Kane, like Evander Kane had, a, I thought, a great game, and I gave him an eight. He was the only player I thought who had a great game for the Oilers. And um, that pass off the boards was fantastic. His rush into the, the King's end oh, and setting yeah, up photo, you know, just setting down that, you know, that beautiful pass into the slot for Yamamoto. And that was as close as the Oilers came to scoring. I don't, how did Quick lose his glove on that play? I didn't. I don't know. It was before the first shot even. It was as Kane went by the net and he was trying to squeeze the short side post. I don't even know if there was any contact or maybe Smith or Quick just uh, caught the cuff of his glove against the post or something because it came off before Yamamoto ever shot the first one. There was three hard shots from close range, two of them on goal. Yeah. And the first one, if uh, Yamamoto had gone high glove, it would have been high hand and he would have had a pretty good chance. But he went the other side and it hit him on the shoulder and then the crossbar. And then a second chance came back out to Kane, wasn't it, who uh, hammered another hard drive on net. And uh, quick to his credit, he hung in there with, uh, uh, you know, his hand exposed. And that can be a real dangerous situation for a goalie. But uh, he uh, uh, he stood, he was tall tonight, Jonathan Tall. Jonathan <laughs> Quick and tall. Um, my good thing, though, um, I snuck in a couple, you know, moments that made me happy there. But Cody Cece's play, I thought, was was good overall. I thought he was the order's best D-man in the game. I thought actually Nurse, although he had some mistakes, had his best game. Like in terms of how he looked on the ice, he was more physical. What I liked about Cece, well, he led the team in ice time, 23-12, four hits, four block shots. 
And but it really comes down to like he got two bonus grades. I gave him a seven. He got two bonus grades in the game. One, well, one of them ab- was four. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely brilliant play where where the the puck goes into the orders. It's a crease play. It's scrambling around the crease, and it's Brendan Lemieux has a wide open net to score. Mm-hmm. But Cody Cece gets great body position on him and muscles him way off the puck. And not only does that, he kicks the puck yeah. essentially under Mike Smith at the same time. That was a fantastic display of defensive fundamental hockey being on the right side of your man the others were on the wrong side of their man all night bruce on the check mm-hmm. and this was one occasion where cc was on the right side of his player and was able to fend him off from scoring a goal because of that so that was his first full bump of a mark uh mm-hmm. in his grade and then the second one came late in the third period when blake lazat decides he's going to you know cc takes a shot at one of the king's forwards um mm-hmm. Rocks them up a little bit. And the owners were very frustrated by then because of Grunstrom. I think this came after, if I'm not mistaken, Grunstrom's um, yes. torpedo play at the net, mm-hmm. um, which I actually think the refs got right. We can talk about that if we want later on. But uh, anyway, um, Lazat, Blake Lazat comes to the rescue of his teammate. And and it was, it was, that was right out of Stampede Wrestling. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lazat is lucky that he did not get the pile driver in that yeah. moment. But he did get the full body slam. Mm-hmm. He gave the old Stu Hart, you know, pick him up and <laughs> throw him to the mat, body slam. He was hustling mm-hmm. him with muscle. <laughs> he was, <laughs> now you're directing traffic. That's what Stu Hart used to say when a guy was uh, do- physically dominating his uh, wrestling opponent. And Cece just, t- like he's, that was a strong, powerful move. And he slammed Lazat. And that, for an Oilers, you know, living vicariously, uh, the frustration of the team. Mm-hmm. That was that was a nice moment. I felt I felt good and happy and pleased in that moment, Bruce. Yeah, yeah, he tossed him down pretty pretty uh, sack of potatoes like there. And I mean, Lazat looked like Lazat had him by surprise, and all of a sudden it was Cece that had the to- upper hand totally, and he uh, uh, he won that uh, that physical battle. And that was the second, this was after the goal, not immediately after the goal, but about two minutes later when they took another run that uh, Smith Grunstrom did come right into the blue paint after they just got a goal on a play like that. And the Oilers were understandably angry. Yeah. And I and my sofa in St. Albert was saying, next Oiler who gets over the blue line should just skate as fast as he can right into the blue paint of Los Angeles Kings and see what happens because apparently it's legal. And the refs called a whole bunch of penalties off of him, but they didn't call any, you know, it was all even, even Steven. So you might as well do whatever because anyway. Uh, Bruce had but, leg lock by nurse though. I mean, that was a pretty impressive foul to take. And, you know, I was wondering, did Lazat or not Lazat, but did Grenstrom launch himself at the goalie? And you just can't tell. And the, the fact that nurse, put that leg up. He was going fast towards the net. Nurse does that. I I think they got the call right because of Nurse's play. And I didn't like, of course I hate it, but I think it was fair from the NHL. Do you agree or disagree? The scrum was going on and I said to my wife, I said, the the puck's in the net. It's going to be a goal. Uh, They're going to review it. Then the orders are going to challenge it. They're going to lose the challenge. It's going to be three, nothing. Now is going to be in the power play. And this, I was saying all this while the scrum was going on. I could just see exactly how, because I knew if it, if it counted, Oilers would have almost no choice, but to say, well, let's just roll the dice 
and hope we roll double sixes and win the challenge because if we lose the challenge, the game's over. If we don't challenge, the game's over. So we might as well at least challenge and, and hope that we somehow, they see something in there that they uh, they see him, you know, glove the puck in or they decide that he did push Smith over the line, which he did. Uh, but you're right, that was uh, the foul that preceded it. Uh, once that happens, you know, it's just like when Nurse pushed Kessler into the crease in 2017. He was allowed to do anything he wanted after that because he well, pushed into the crease and he grabbed his pad. Anyway, that I was keep a little there because I'm still angry about it and I will be till my grave, I'm sure. That time, as a fan, I felt cheated. Tonight, I didn't feel cheated at all on that call. I thought they kind of got it right. Nurse was beat. The second time tonight, Nurse got beat wide. On the left side, and he looked good turning to his right, but to his left, he was he was in trouble. He was really scrambling against, was it Kempe early in the game that went around him? And I said, again, to my wife, I said, that's a play where Nurse doesn't get beat like that normally ever, right? Like, he's never going to lose that race. Even to a fast guy, he just doesn't lose races to the net front, right? He, get, he loses if he's way out of position, but when he's in position... You know, he's almost impossible to go around. But tonight he got beat twice, and the second one was that goal. And he did leg lock him, and it was one of these games where it was a figure four, was it? That one was uh, what they were calling on TV. Crab, crab hold. Yeah, there was a, there was, uh, there was three distinct wrestling moves in this game, and two of them yes. came on that play by Nurse and then CeCe. One before the goal and one right after it. Or no, sorry, CeCe's was later, but it was right at that you know, end game where all the scrums were breaking out. Bruce, I fear that the, the Kessler play will haunt you past the grave and that once once mm-hmm. once a year through uh, eternity, <laughs> on the on the anniversary of that goal, your grave will turn into a bowling mass of magma and lava as you as you from your seething from your May seething rage. Sanco de Mayo. Seething rage and clipboards across the city will snap in half <laughs> from the from the aftershock of your of your explosion. Yeah. Anyway, um, we're okay. We're on uh, bad things. Bad things. What's your yeah, bad? Yeah, my things? bad thing is is the third wrestling move, uh, which I've been informed is officially known as a DDT. I called it a pile driver in, in my one tweet during the entire game. This was the only time I was mad enough to tweet, and I'm still mad. Uh, and this was when Mikey Anderson, a filthy player for. Uh, uh, L.A. Kings, who reminds me of Jay Wells in 1982 for his ability to get under my skin for being kind of a, you know, not very famous player, but for just being a pain in the ass the entire series. And that's what Mikey Anderson has been, and especially so tonight. And he was getting away with crap left and right. But when he got away with or got sawed off penalties two and two, when he tackled Ryan Nugent Hopkins hard and slammed his head off the ice, I thought that was bloody outrageous. Just outrageous. That could have been very, very, very serious. And if Nuge's helmet had happened to come off, like he was getting kind of grabbed around the face, his helmet had popped off first and his head hit the ice, all bets are off as to what would have happened. But uh, not good. Not good and not acceptable. Player safety, you got to look at that. Uh, and you won't. Because, well, I mean, maybe they will, because usually they look at it if there was a penalty. And they did, in fact, call uh, roughing against both players. And I'll give Nuge credit for turning around and getting pissed off himself, and rightfully so, because he'd been put in a very dangerous spot by Anderson, and he came up swinging. 
And then his helmet came off. Well, thankfully, it stayed on for the critical moment when his head got bounced off the ice. And sorry, I don't care how intense hockey is. That is not acceptable. That's how players are going to get seriously hurt or worse. And just no go. No go, Mikey Anderson. Screw off with that. That's just not not acceptable in any league. It's a, not even a Bush League play. It's below that. Jay Wells played 1,098 NHL games. Pretty impressive well, he played, for it. He, he played five in which he pissed me off constantly, and that was in 1982 playoffs. And he was a constant thorn in the side. Okay, my bad thing, Bruce, um, is um, three the three forwards that I gave a three to. I gave a, th- a three out of ten. I gave a three out of ten to Duncan Keith as well because – he was a major culprit on two goals against the first two goals against one he tipped in, which is a rough play that happens now and then to defensemen, and we can all feel their pain. I certainly do as a as a beer league defenseman who has done that a few times. Um, but uh, the forwards, um, there was lots of forwards who got four out of ten. Mm-hmm. There was there was three that they got three out of ten. So Derek Broussard, um, I, he didn't he just brought nothing little or nothing. And I, I just don't know why they didn't play Devin Shore, honestly. I guess they're thinking Broussard's kind of a skilled finesse player like Ryan. He's the closest thing to Ryan. Um, so maybe that's that's what they went with. But, um, man, he was just <clears throat> totally ineffective, got very little done, and was caught wandering around the red light zone on that on that crease play where CC saved the goal. That was mainly on Broussard, I thought. He just mm-hmm. was not yeah, – he was a center and he didn't block the pass. He didn't cover anyone. That's the red light zone where you're wandering around, not covering no one, not blocking a passing lane. Warren Fogle needs to do more in these playoffs. I thought mm-hmm. he was going to be better in these playoffs, but he mm-hmm. um, he has not been. He's got to get he's got to get his physical play up. He's got to get he's got to start to become more of an agitator and get under the king's skin. And he's not doing it. He did make a nice pass to Cassian early in the game for Cassian's breakaway chance. Would have been great, of course, if Cass had scored. But then he followed up. He, Cassie, and McLeod followed up. All three of them, they made a, just an epically bad line change, which led to a oh. very, very dangerous uh, moment yeah. for the LA Kings. It was just a horrendous line change. And um, other than that, there's very little to report from Warren Fogel's game. He just, he's got mm-hmm. to find a way to, he's big and he's fast, he, and he's got to be way more aggressive. So he's mm-hmm. one of the players. Now, my third, my third player is... It's a different kind of three because it's Leon Dreisaitl, who's a very good, obviously, he's an outstanding hockey player. But in this game, Bruce, he made just, it wasn't his night for a number of reasons. He made um, just one major contribution to a grade A shot all game. Mm-hmm. You know, Leon usually makes five or six. Oh. In a game. So the Oilers need him to generate offense. And I thought on the power play, he really struggled. The, the Kings played a more aggressive power play this game. Finally, they got out of their box a bit more. Mm-hmm. Came after the Oilers, and it's a, it's a better effective strategy against the Oilers. Um, that's a, I wish I didn't see it. I wish that didn't, they hadn't figured it out, but it did. They did, not surprisingly. Um, anyway, Leon was struggling to make plays on the power play. And when he finally did, he finally got off. I don't know if it was actually on the power play that he got off. He finally got off his dread executioner shot where he whips his stick hard at the net on the one-timer at, early in the third period, and he hit the side of the net. And it just it just typified his night where he he had a he had an opening to shoot, 
so often he buries that shot and he and he didn't even hit the net. Then he he made a really nice play to Nugent Hopkins um, on the power play. His one really great power play made a diagonal dart pass to mm-hmm. Nugent in the middle, and Nugent his shot was blocked or ticked ticked off and couldn't get it on net. So it wasn't a one timer. Yeah, it wasn't. And and then on defense there was a number of mistakes that he made, including being kind of he was part of the general. Um, Three players essentially got beat off the wall on the first goal against. Drysaddle was the least culpable, but he was on the wrong side of his man, and he lost the initial battle. Then Keith lost his battle, and then Bouchard totally whiffed on it. And the Kings are making a beautiful passing play to know to Moore on net and scoring a goal. Um, that was probably the biggest mistake he made. There was others, though, and he just he just it wasn't his night, and mm-hmm. it hasn't been his playoffs is the truth, although he scored on the power play. And he's had, some, he's had some good moments on the power plays. At even strength, it hasn't been his power play, his uh, his playoffs yet. He hasn't been a dominant player at even strength, which he can be. Um, we know, I think uh, Bob Stoffer hinted heavily that he was, at the end of the year, he was hurt. He's He hasn't looked hurt, but he hasn't looked to me. I mean, there was the one tremendous rush up the ice with McDavid. Yeah. Like he was like worth a billion dollars. But something's not yet right. I don't know if it's not clicking with his line mates or what, but I, I'm expecting he'll turn it around and, and cause he can be Bruce. We know what he can be in the playoffs mm-hmm. and what kind of player he is at even strength. And, um, he's got to do it. Now's the time. Next game's the time. Next game's the big moment for Leon. And I think we're going to see it. That's my bet. Yeah. Yeah. He had one stupendous rush on the penalty kill as well. I can't, <clears throat> I, I don't think we scored a great A chance, so it didn't didn't quite didn't result. Get shot. In, yeah, but it, it was a fabulous hard rush. At, at incre- he's incredibly fast when he gets it going. Like no nobody can catch that guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, we didn't see enough of that tonight. And I'll just uh, just pile on a little bit. Point out five and fourteen for twenty six percent of the dot in this game, and the Oilers were getting seemed like they were getting owned in the face-off circle at both ends. Like, they could never win a draw in the offensive zone to set up. And in the defensive zone, it was seemed constant. LA would win the draw, and there would be a shot through traffic right away. And some of that was on the centers, but also some of it, David, some of this is just your, you know, puck battle. It's a different type of puck battle. But it's supporting your center on a, on a, on a 50-50 draw where they kind of, the puck kind of goes sideways and it's there in the circle, and the winger has to come in and give winger support, and they just weren't getting it. And they were not. So that's uh, that's kind of, of uh, tangential to your bad thing, but it was, I think, just one, just another symptom of a night where the Oilers were, uh, you know, just second best in almost any sort of different way you want to parse this game. They, uh, they didn't win enough battles, and some of those battles came in the face-off circle or right after the face-off or pretty much any time after that. Bruce, what's your number? Oh, uh, I'm going to go with uh, uh, 64 to 45. These are percentages. So if you look at the shot attempts in this game, they were 74, 69, for uh, LA, so pretty close. And I mean, like I say, it was a uh, score effects that Edmonton should have been pushing the play and uh, more than just even, 74-69. But the shots were 46-31. Uh, 
And so parsing that, uh, LA have their 74 attempts, 46 were on net, 64% of the shots they attempted were shots on goal. And for Edmonton, just 31 out of the 69, so 45%. So not even half the shots they were taking were getting through to net. They were getting blocked. LA blocked 19 to Edmonton's 12. And it was, uh, and Oilers were missing the net a little bit more. And I just thought the, uh, I mean, the Oilers missed the net 19 times. And sometimes it was because they were pressured, and sometimes it was just because they missed. But uh, bottom line, the shots that they set up, uh, they weren't testing the goalie, and the Kings were uh, uh, doing a fine job of at least uh, uh, getting the shots on net and creating traffic around the net, and we saw plenty of that. And it was uh, uh, something I've noticed over the years, that uh, uh, some nights it's just the percentage of the attempts that actually are on goal that provide a real good clue as to which team's executing their plays better. They're, they're getting open shots, and then they're making their shots, or at least they're making them on the net. And often when you get a big discrepancy like that, the team with the higher percentage of shots that get through also gets the more goals. And obviously LA did that tonight. Indeed. Bruce, my number is, my numbers are two and one. So the two is Ole Matt is two kind of, they're they're kind of breakaway chances. Like he's wide open in front of the net both times. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first time happened after that terrible line change. Um, and then that uh, the, I already mentioned from Fogel McLeod and um, Cassian oh. in the first period, it's like two minutes into the game or three minutes into the game. And this, this occurs. And um, Mata misses the net he, on his backhand attempt. And then the next one um, is in the second period, early in the second period. And Kopitar has a puck. He passes it through Dreisaitl. And Hyman fails to cover Mata slipping in from the point. And again, Mata has a sh- this time a forehand shot and he misses the net again. <laughs> so the, the good news here is if, you, if there's anyone on the LA Kings who you want to have a sh- shot right on from the slot, right on the net, it's Ole Mata. He, and my second number is one. In the last two seasons, he has scored one goal in 107 games. Wow. Uh, regular season games. So if you know that is the guy, that is the guy that you want to leave open. If you're going to leave open some guy by mistake in the slot after a bad line change or a bad defensive coverage, it's got to be Olimata. And because um, this game, so other players would have drained those shots. They were just wide open, mm-hmm. and he didn't even hit. He didn't even make the goalie make a save. So good for you, Olimata. Keep it up. Yeah, that triple line change was something else. All three guys left the ice at the same time, and they were coming from three different directions. Like Cassian was probably closest to the bench, and he was going off, and Fogel was trailing the play and coming up, and he headed for the bench. And then McLeod was in the middle of the ice. He lifts his hand in the air and says, I'm coming off, and he goes and he joins the other two. And there was literally probably a second there where it was five on two. It was. Two defensemen are out there, and there's no forwards because all the forwards on the bench are going, holding. they're all coming off. We better get out there. And the time they got there, Ole Matta was walking in the long <laughs> so They picked the right was, guy to pass that was, that was a bad sign early in the game. When you when your team gets uh, mucks up a you know, first, uh, first cycle of line changes, uh, it's maybe a clue that you're not quite focused on the task at hand is, you know, just one small thing that went wrong. It could have been really big, but it's, you know, one little sign of a team that wasn't really in sync. 
when you have three guys all changing at the same time and none of them going, hmm, maybe I better hang around out here for a bit while the other guys change. Well, and the, yeah, and that it was like it wasn't even the first really bad sign. Like the first one was when they get that hard point shot and Smith kicks out the rebound. Um, and um, Lazat puts it off the post, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that was a good good luck moment. So you're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, well, they got some good luck. They, they didn't look good on the play. Bouchard kind of coughed Keith the puck up the Bouchard middle of the ice. again, eh? Yeah. And um, they had yeah, a rough first period. They, they did. Well, Bruce, uh, we will be back at this again, I guess. Uh, when? times, at least. Tuesday night. Uh, Tuesday night, yep. Two more times. Uh, <clears throat> Tuesday night back in Edmonton, and the Oilers have to make home ice advantage count. Uh, Blake Rosado, I'm just going to mention him. He was named a star in this game, and rightfully so. He was all over the ice. He had eight shots on net in this game. His line with Dustin Brown and, and Brendan Lemieux, which is not exactly three stars, had 15 shots for the Kings tonight. And the Oilers, I don't think they had a single bottom six type player that was even in the same same general league as, as those guys. They just, you know, and I'm not going to say the bottom six blew the game for Edmonton, but they got outplayed. The top six got outplayed. The defense got outplayed. The goalie got outplayed. And Jay Woodcroft in his post game just says, to a man, uh, we can be and have to be better. And he was not wrong. He gave it the old Todd McClellan, the short, sweet. Uh, he was uh, civil enough. Todd was Todd was pretty abrupt the other night. Jay answered the question. I mean, he said oh, he the did, same eh? thing three times to answer three different questions. He said, to a man, we need to be better. And, well, I kind of uh, so like not singling out guys on the team, so that was why I thought I'm not yeah. going to just point out any one guy because to me it was team wide. The, the Kings were better, and they deserved to win, and the orders were worse, and they deserved to lose, so they lost. So what do you learn from that, right? I said to my wife early in the game, you know, you're going to encounter adversity sometimes in the playoffs, and how do you respond to it? Whether it's in game or whether it's the next game, is what decides, you know, if your team's got what it takes. So next game, yeah. they're going to need to respond because tonight they really didn't. And if the Kings continue to aggressively forecheck or check the Oilers on the penalty kill um, <laughs> like they did, the Oilers are going to have to win the next game at even strength. Mm-hmm. You know, they might they might get a power play goal or they might not, or the Kings might. Like it's, it's the Oilers' power play in the last, you know, whatever it was, two-thirds of the season was troubled by that kind of heavy checking um, by opposition penalty kills. So, yeah, it's going to have to be a really hard-nosed uh, game at even yeah. strength. And they didn't come close to playing that game uh, tonight. Let's leave it there, Bruce. Thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.